listening to Everything at Once, the show that brings you everything everywhere all at once. And today we're bringing you a bunch of discussion about the entertainment industry along with my good friend Colby. But first, we owe you a little bit of an explanation. Uh, it's been it's been a few weeks since an episode has gone out. Um, Colby, why is that? Because we moved. That's right. We moved. So uh, Colby, Anna, and I, along with our friend Colby, uh, Kenny all got a place together. Uh, so we got a nice little Technically apartment. Jason. Technically oh, Jason too. Jason, Jason's Jason's around quite frequently. Um, but us four are living together. We got an apartment. Uh, so we moved. We're all out of our home state. So it was a bit of an adjustment. Um, lots of lots of new new challenges. New place, mm-hmm. new challenges, right, Colby? There's uh New minimum wage. <laughs> that that's true too. What is what is, you know, without going into too much detail about where we are and what we're doing, what is what is something that you found a lot more challenging than you expected about living on your own? Uh, about living on my own. Um, yeah, because like obviously you put- last year we had you know we lived in dorms together, but that wasn't truly independence. In yeah. Way. This is this is where we're unsupervised we are literally living in our own place um and doing everything by ourselves. so how is one of those challenges that you're kind of facing having to cook my own food uh as you know i have uh never cooked before that is and so i've (laughs) i've had to cook dinner twice so far um and yeah you know it's been a challenge um you know, like learning new recipes, uh, figuring out, uh, you know, how to use an oven. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's how yeah, it's I've, been for me. I've noticed that. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I tried to peel a potato and, uh, I accidentally threw it away. That is, that is true. Colby was peeling <laughs> a potato over the trash can. Um, so he didn't make a mess of the counter and straight up dropped it in the trash can and was like, well, we're uh, we're not using that one. So, mm-hmm. I mean, regardless, there's going to be some some new challenges, some little hiccups. But at the same time, uh, it's been nice, and that's the reason why there hasn't been a new episode since there has. I know there hasn't been one in September, but there probably hasn't been one since like August 13th or so. Um, we were all getting ready for the move in. I officially moved in on the uh. 30th of August uh, and I've been here for a few weeks uh, Colby was the last one to move in uh, Anna moved in the day after me and then Kenny moved in somewhat between Anna and Colby um, but we've kind of been we've been adjusting pretty well uh, things are, are going pretty well so far um, we are in Vermont so once the winter hits that's definitely going to bring a whole other mess of challenges in terms of driving and walking and whatnot but so far it's it's been nice it's been fun and we finally have time to sit down and just chat about random stuff and by random I totally have a list written down and some things prepared to talk about but you get the point so I just wanted to go right into the first thing Colby, uh, Kenny, and I have been watching a new show uh, on HBO called Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know, so so before we go into it, 
based on the title itself, Colby, all right, you mm-hmm. we didn't really tell you much. We just said Lovecraft Country, let's watch it together. What were your initial thoughts about what it would be like just kind of seeing like the promotional image and then actually hearing the title of the show? What were your thoughts going into it? Well, I mean, like based on just like the promotion and the title, like I knew that it would be some like eldritch horror shit. Right. Um, definitely like monsters, tentacles, uh, you know, like unreliable narrators, just crazy shit going on. Yeah. It, and I'll, I'll admit it definitely, I feel like it hit me off guard with the actual content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the actual format of the show. I mean, like, you like i think we were all surprised when we realized what the show actually is right um like i don't i don't want to like give it away to uh people who like haven't watched it yet but austin you know what i'm talking about right like when we were, when we were watching the third episode we were like oh hang on wait a second yeah that's the kind of show this is yeah yeah it, it's well it, it's okay to say so lovecraft country all right is based on uh, a novel by matt ruff and just a basic synopsis. Uh, the original story was very episodic and very anthology-like, um, similar to kind of like if you ever watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they had like the Monster of the Week kind of kind of thing, or like the X Files, where it, it shares characters and there's one solid narrative plot, but it kind of goes oh, like into many stories that could be their own seasons like the first two episodes could have easily been the entire season if they drew it out long enough that's what Um, i thought it was gonna be like yeah exactly so so matt ruff wrote this novel lovecraft country uh and it follows a few of the characters um the main character is atticus freeman uh just like in the novel um he meets up with his friend uh letty who's played by journey smollett and She's fantastic. They all they're they're all really fantastic. Um, and then there's Uncle George, and the whole point of the first episode is that they're going to embark on this road trip across 1950s Jim Crow America. And they're looking for his missing father, who's played by Michael Kenneth Williams, another fantastic actor. Um, and right away, there's a struggle to survive and overcome uh, multiple types of terrors. There's the terrifying monsters straight out of, you know, Lovecraft's books, hence the name, um, but also just the racist terrors of 1950s white America. And I knew right away, uh, you know, uh, Colby hasn't watched Watchmen just yet, the new HBO series, newer HBO series, but I knew right away that when it was based, it, when, when I figured out it was going to be based on this type of, uh, you know, racial injustice uh, in fighting white supremacy that they would either do very very well with it or they would do uh an absolute garbage job at it as hbo has done in the past and honestly i'm surprised that it hasn't been that garbage so so watchmen was very very uh racially based and although lovecraft country is is definitely also driven by race um the fact that we have these eldritch horrors and stuff are a little bit different whereas in Watchmen itself the main villains uh are literally the Ku Klux Klan so it's a bit more in your face racism as opposed to like subtle nuances or like sudden 
sudden straps of racism that you see in Lovecraft Country. Um, mm-hmm. But when I figured out that it was going to be, uh, it was executive produced by J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele, um, I knew that it was going to be fantastic. They're both great directors, great producers. Uh, Jordan Peele, um, I can't believe he's gone from this, you know, comedy sketch-based black comedian to an actual horror icon. I mean, you know, Get Out like it's, was, it's hard to believe they're the same person. Yeah, Like Get Jordan Peele from Key and Peele yeah. is, is like the same Jordan Peele who's been making these like fantastic, like just incredible movies. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he did recently, uh, he did like the new adaptation of The Twilight Zone too. Um, he was really? the narrator and he was the executive producer and that was absolutely fantastic. We'll definitely, uh, we'll watch it as a group and by we I mean me and Colby probably but you know we'll talk about it for you guys yeah I'm, I'm excited to see where where it goes for sure yeah um there's only the show's only, actually um oh. yeah go ahead the show's actually gotten me uh more interested in reading Lovecraft um like I got this anthology of uh all of Lovecraft's novels um you know, like organized, uh, not in the order of release, but in the order in which they were written. So you can get like a better feel for how right. uh, Love's cra- Lovecraft's um, like style of writing has evolved. Um, I mean, like I've only read one of the stories so far, The Tomb, um, but it's still like amazingly written. And like knowing what I know now about about Lovecraft, reading what what was one of his very first stories uh you can tell that like there's a very very different kind of writer there you know um like he hasn't quite become the uh, like the eldritch icon that we know him as now but that story like all, all of the seeds were there i mean like you have an unreliable narrator you know you have the question oh is this all happening or is the main guy just crazy and you know the forward to the book mentions this but there's very very heavy Edgar Allan Poe influence oh, in definitely. that story. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you've read it, but the tomb is about uh, this man who all of his life, he has lived near this little hidden tomb. Um, and inside of that tomb, you know, like he, he always felt that something was calling to him there. Uh, and so eventually when he's older, he goes in and he finds a coffin with his name on it. And so he's like, oh, that's strange. And so instead of doing what a normal human being would do and uh leaving the tomb and you know trying to forget that there's a tomb with your exact name inside of it uh he chooses to get inside of the coffin as one normally does yes yep and he spends the night there and he begins spending every night there um and you know after that you know after each night he starts um engaging in much more uh like debauchery you know it's sort of like a Jekyll and Hyde situation where he's becoming much more like hedonistic just like self-indulgent you know right. um and this eventually all culminates in this huge hallucination um where he believes that he is like in this mansion that had burned down years ago he like he believes that he that that tomb really was his and he was at that party all those years ago but of course you know th- the story is written uh as as though like this guy is telling us the story from an asylum like he even opens it 
he opens the story by saying, hey, I'm in an asylum. This is what happened to me. So, like, we have actually no idea, like, if this guy had actually been telling the truth or if he's actually just legitimately insane, which, you know, is a trait that you see a lot of uh, in Lovecraft's later work, but it takes on such a minuscule role to the more, like, uh, like, it takes a backseat to, like, the Poe-inspired gothic influence that like the rest of the story has yeah it's always interesting to see um authors but it's it's similar with like actual you know i mean musical artists are a little bit different but like physical artists um and authors it's interesting to see how their style changes over time but especially Mm -hmm. with someone like lovecraft who you can really, really, really see the subtle nuances and the subtle differences because of how much he wrote. Um, mm-hmm. Like you have certain authors who who write in, you know, an anthology in their lifetime, 12 to 15 novels, and you definitely see a difference there. But Lovecraft, who has literally uh, published just short story on top of short story, and same thing with Edgar Allan Poe, on poetry and short stories and novellas and novels, it, those subtle differences come out a lot more and it's definitely it's definitely a good way to read through his works in the order they were written as opposed to released because mm-hmm. you did like you said you definitely get to see see that whole thing okay so the next thing i wanted to talk about was the release of mulan on disney plus for 30 dollars, even if you already have disney plus uh, but first it's no secret that the COVID-19 outbreak has been uh, has shown a steady decline in the hiring process at most companies, both big and small. Many people, including myself, are unable to rely on standard forms of income. Luckily, things are starting to open up more, especially in certain states, but maybe you're not from one of those states. Maybe you're a small business owner who's looking to increase employment rate, or you're looking to hire remote employees or part-time contractors just, just to get through this mess until we can get back to the new normal for our country. If so, you should try ZipRecruiter, and ZipRecruiter boasts a quick and easy setup for seamless integration into your company without any exclusivity whatsoever. You can access an extensive marketplace of local and enterprise jobs with powerful algorithms that connect you to the right content with the right people. With dedicated partner support and major companies all relying on ZipRecruiter for hiring, you can insert yourself into the trending searches for remote jobs and virtual assistants with ZipRecruiter. For the next three months, if you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash EAO for 50% off your first month, you can also uh, get a $125 offer for that first month as well as $250 per subsequent months. Ends up being 50 to 75% off as that fluctuates at ZipRecruiter.com slash EAO. Okay, so Mulan, Disney Plus, recently came out. So, okay. When Disney announced that it would be releasing, now now I just want to point this out. I have not seen the movie yet. Colby has not seen the movie yet. I don't think, right? You haven't seen it yet. No, no, I haven't. I'm not paying $30 for it. Right, so we do have Disney Plus, um, but having Disney Plus, I, I, it's interesting. It's interesting. So, It, it's a okay so when disney announced that it would be releasing mulan on disney plus a lot of people were like okay um we saw this coming it got pushed back because they were gonna try and wait for a theater release and it just didn't happen 
So they're going to go the route of Hamilton and release on Disney Plus. Now, two things, two things that people got wrong there. One, uh, the fact that Mulan released on Disney Plus is a huge, huge breakdown of Disney's actual income for the film. Um, it was never planned to come out in a digital only format like that. And the second thing that second misconception that people have there, Hamilton was always going to come out on Disney Plus. It happened to get pushed up and released earlier because Lin-Manuel felt bad that all this was going on. He didn't want people to wait, so they pushed it up. But it was never going to be a theatrical release. It was always going to come to Disney Plus when Disney Plus first launched. Mulan was more of an adaptation to that. So, so that number $30 kind of stuck out. And that's how much Disney is charging viewers to watch this blockbuster film uh, when it debuted. Uh, I think it was this, this actual this week or this past week. Either way. I believe so, yeah. I know personally I was confused. I was like, does, does that $30 mean I own the movie or am I just renting it? It, it turns out after doing a little bit of research and looking into it, it's neither um, you're not owning it, but you're not renting it. It's it's so if you want to watch Mulan, you have to unlock it in what Disney is calling premiere access. And to sum things up, you know, without going on a long tangent, it basically means that the film lives on Disney Plus permanently, and you can view it as often as you want, as long as you're a Disney Plus subscriber. But you still need to pay that $30 one-time fee to unlock the movie. So it's kind of like an like a microtransaction within a video game, kind of a similar kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what I was thinking, actually. Yeah. So I I mean I thought like, okay, you had to pay $30 and you get to rent it or you own it, whatever. But it's neither. It's you pay the $30 and then you have it through Disney Plus. So, you know, if for some reason I decide to cancel Disney Plus down the line, uh, I'll lose Mulan as well. It's not like you own the film. So there's a few things that people need to understand and that I want to talk about in terms of this, you know, this whole thing. So the release of Mulan on Disney Plus is about so much more than just money for Disney. Um, but it's really a significant moment for the film industry and an opportunity for, you know, the film industry's biggest studio, Disney, to experiment with what could be the future of the of the cinema industry. And although Mulan may be a one off, quote unquote, you know, as as Bob Shappick said, he's the, the current CEO of Disney. He called it a one-off. Uh, it definitely allows them to, you know, it was definitely Disney has been affected quite heavily by the pandemic, not only entertainment, but also their physical parks and everything along the lines. It, it allows them to kind of explore adding a revenue stream at a time when the future of going to the movies is really in doubt. Um, the biggest thing was that Mulan cost $200 million to make. It was a very, very, very expensive film. Um, and that amount might be hard to collect back up from digital subscriptions alone. And that's a major reason why Disney kept delaying the film instead of just debuting it on Disney plus months ago. Cause it was supposed to come out months ago. All right. I, I, I'm, or am I wrong? I'm pretty sure it was right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So 
that I feel like that's kind of the reason why they kept delaying it is because they're like, this was an expensive movie and we want to make money off of this. Um, I don't think we're going to be able to make it in just people subscribing alone. So then they decided to release it simultaneously to theaters in markets where Disney Plus is unavailable and where theaters are allowed to open, um, which includes China. And obviously, being Mulan, uh, that's a country that's pretty pretty crucial to, to their income. Um, that's an audience that they definitely want to cater to. Um, and... You know, for for Milan, the the international grosses were were always going to be a big part of the equation there. But well, some movies are performing quite well overseas. It, its totals aren't really set to approach what it could have made without the pandemic, for sure. Um, which is interesting because I feel like Disney is using the pandemic as an excuse for this. Um, you know, they released Mulan and Disney Plus rather than delaying the film, but. It, like I said, it's not just a financial decision. It, you know, experimentation is important. You know, it's a dis it's a disruptive form of distribution that they could definitely get into. Um, but the fact of the matter is, it is not making a few things. It's not making nearly enough money, and there's a good chance that Disney is going to make no money on this movie in terms of profit. Um, but there is. A, a few things uh, that Disney didn't quite account for. And one of those things is the fact that, you know, it's the age of streaming. And there is, unlike cable, zero cost for canceling your services. You know, if I'm a consumer, I can subscribe to a streaming service to watch my favorite show, to watch my, my this new movie, and then as soon as I'm done with that movie, cancel it. Now, this new window... Of opportunity that Disney is exploring could kind of be a way for streamers to dissuade the cycling between services. You know what I mean? I mean, like, I feel like Disney has already been doing that with stuff like The Mandalorian. Definitely. Where, you know, like, there, where on other streaming services, you know, the entire season would release in one day. You know, like Umbrella Academy season right. two, all in one day. Uh, like Bojack Horseman, all in one day. But with shows like, like I said, The Mandalorian, and I, I think pretty much every other Disney Plus show, they release it on a weekly basis, which, you know, like that 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 in and of itself really stops uh, the whole like, you know, like switch streaming services uh, exactly. sort of idea. So, because like if you want the full experience, you have to either wait until the season is done or you have to keep paying. Right. So it's either you wait like around like a few months for you know the show to end while everybody else watches it or you know you bite the bullet and get like the, what is it like 6.99 a month to you know like watch the show on time right and so the thing is that you know disney didn't have much choice there um but the fact of the matter is the movie's not doing well in terms of a digital release um and there's two examples we can talk about we can talk about I don't I don't want to speculate. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't say like, oh, it's because it's a bad movie and people don't want to see it. Um I can kind of speculate that it might be the 
you know, at, at a minimum, $30 price tag. At a maximum, mm-hmm. 37 or 39 whatever. I think it's like seven bucks or nine months for a month of Disney+. Plus. At a maximum, it could be pretty much $40 to see the movie. Now, in the grand scheme of things, that's about the price of a few movie tickets, realistically, two to three movie tickets. Um, but that might be one thing that's turning people away from it. Um, cause for example, uh, it's still not doing better than Hamilton. Hamilton still got way more new subscribers. Um, and it did a way better job of keeping subscribers than Mulan has. And the other thing that I, you know, I want to talk about anyways is Trolls 2. Um, Trolls 2 is, I, I never saw the movie, but. I never want to see the movie. I have no interest in seeing the movie. But as Colby said, Colby, what did you, what did you, what did you say? I cannot fucking believe that I'm about to say. I'm sorry, 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 sorry about swearing. But I cannot believe that I'm actually going to say this again. But as much as it pains me to say, I fully believe that Trolls Two may be one of the most influential films of the last decade, of the last few decades, actually. That that's com- that's completely accurate, and and here's here's why for those of you that have been living in the dark and or just don't keep up on animated entertainment news because why would you? Well, if you're listening to this show, you probably do anyways. So, Trolls World Tour uh, became the biggest digital debut of all time because theaters were completely closed across the country. It was the first triple uh, a film to release digitally straight to digital uh things it was on i believe amazon uh or actually i think you could rent it here's the reason why i think it made more money is because uh, i believe universal allowed it to be rented on most video streaming platforms so like itunes amazon everything not just one service where mulan is obviously just disney um but yeah it was the first film from a major studio to debut on digital platforms on the same date as its theatrical release which is a call that the studio made in just a few days uh, in wake of theater closures. So it did play in 21, was it 20? It was, I think it was, I think it was either 21 or 22 different drive-in theaters over that opening weekend um, that have remained open. Um, Cause obviously dri- drive-in theaters is a lot easier to social distance. I know I went to one recently before moving. Um, but they allowed everyone to rent it on most video streaming platforms. And it was $19.99 to rent it. It's pretty much the cost of a movie ticket. So I don't want to say, I don't know. I can't say that it's a good movie. Cause again, I haven't seen it. Um, I mean, it has Justin Timberlake, Anna Kendrick, my, one of my favorite artists of all time, Anderson Pock did most of the music for it. So don't forget the McElroy's. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so there's a chance that it could just be a, a good, you know, fun-hearted film. Um, and with all the kids home, you know, it, it's just something that people want to buy. But it's just crazy that. So okay. First of all, it's a sequel. Sequels never do better than the original. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen Rocky Five? <laughs> <laughs> so, but the fact of the matter is, it it took over from universal's uh biggest digital performer which was jurassic world fallen kingdom um it did 10 times more had 10 times more purchases than that 
and we haven't had a complete accurate amount of official numbers released yet but a lot of different sources are saying that it, it raked in between two to three million dollars in the opening day alone um which is huge for a digital release and for, for a little bit there i was actually scared and a lot of people were concerned that it was going to do better in its first week of digital release than avengers endgame did in all of all time um but luckily it hasn't uh, it's starting to plateau and things are things are okay there um but that is a film for example that has done very very well and mulan just isn't performing um and i i i it i think it might be that whole fee i think it's the fact that i feel like with i don't know what do you think colby i feel like with trolls with the the way that you could go to pretty much any of your services like if you had a fire stick you could just use amazon or you could go on itunes get it on your phone i feel like the there's more freedom there and it kind mm -hmm. of incentivize people more to do it whereas mulan you have to get a specific service but i also feel like the fact that you have to pay a fee on top of your streaming service already is is crazy i feel like if disney just yeah. straight up released it well even even for 30 dollars, if they released it for 30 dollars on all these different streaming platforms or the the rental platforms i feel like it would have been fine no see like if, if they released it like digital like digitally to own or even even like just a physical release for the same price i would buy it 100 percent. but yeah. like i'm not paying 30 dollars to unlock a film that i don't own yeah you know like yeah, like the, the whole the, like i feel like the whole point of you know like streaming services yep or at least part of the appeal of it is that you don't have to like go to the theater anymore you don't you have, have to, to spend the upward yeah. of, of 20 dollars uh like on these you know like on, on on a movie ticket you know you can just watch films from the comfort of your home for just a, a, a steady rate and right. you know i i think i think that this sort of i think that this move sort of undermines that it's sort of the same feeling as like seeing all these different company or like all these different networks come up with their own streaming services like i think uh, i think it's either abc or nbc is making peacock uh, for like all of their NBC. shows. That's NBC. Colby, okay. Colby. What is what is NBC's logo? It's a peacock. That there you go. <laughs> um <laughs> Peacock is free too, which is crazy. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's completely free. Oh my god. Which is interesting. I feel like they I think it's they're making most well, of their ads. money based on ads, yeah. Yeah, ad revenue. But yeah, I mean um, we even did but, but a, like, like a quarantine kind of movie night when yeah. we watched Scoob. Oh, that was on Peacock. Oh, that wasn't on Peacock, but I, I but I mean, what? like that cost me twenty dollars to rent it. Yeah. Um. Did that come out after or before Trolls Two? After, way after. It did, right? Okay. So Trolls Two was like, I want to say April. Yeah. Okay. So it was right at the beginning of this whole uh, quarantine thing. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I rented Scoop for us to watch, we watched it over. Shout out to Cast. That's what it's called. Um, we had mm -hmm. a bunch of us watching it. I, I cast it up on my TV, even had my family at home watching it. Um, shouldn't, yeah, I mean, yeah, we all, we all bought individual copies and all watched it together. Mm -hmm. It's not like we I bought sure it. did. Yeah. Um, but like that was released on a bunch of different things. I mean, we rented it on Amazon, but it was released on so many different platforms like trolls. But yeah, mm -hmm. like you said, I feel like it's the, the, the exclusivity of having to go to Disney plus and then to 
basically rent it for thirty dollars because you really only have it as long as you keep paying for Disney Plus. Is it? I don't know. I feel like that's what turns a lot of people off from it. Yeah. Well, because like I'm spending forty dollars. Well, I mean like thirty dollars. And you know, if I decide that I don't want Disney Plus anymore, I th- that thirty dollars is gone. I I spent an additional thirty dollars on a movie I'm no longer allowed to watch. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that that people are worried about, but I I just wanna I just wanna wrap this section up by saying, obviously Mulan is a monumental moment for the for the industry, um, coming from such a big studio, and. It definitely will allow Disney to peer into the future. Um, but right now, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give some updates in a few weeks when we do more episodes. It's hard to say what impact it's really going to have on the business. Um, I mean, we did see what Trolls 2 have, but obviously this is a little bit different. And I definitely want to say that, I mean, obviously this is just my opinion. I don't think consumers have to suddenly start worrying about a bunch of movies on streaming services requiring additional fee. I think Mulan is a very, it's, it's a reflection of the abnormal state of the theatrical business, the cinematic business right now. Um, I don't think it's going to become the norm. Uh, knock on wood, hopefully, because that would mm-hmm. be not great. But we'll see. We'll see what kind of effects it has. I think that given Mulan's uh, lackluster performance, I, I don't think this is going to become the norm. Yeah. I think I that people are going to look at Disney and look at Trolls and be like, okay, which one's going to make us more money? And they're, they're going to follow in Trolls' footsteps. Right, 100%. So the next thing that I want to talk about is something that Colby and I have been watching a lot of. Uh that's the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which uh, aired 25 years ago. No, more than that. Gosh. I, I believe, did it start in 99? I believe it was 91. Because, because we had that uh, that debate about who the president was. Was it? Well, it wasn't a debate. It was <laughs> Kenny being stupid and asking, why isn't Reagan in the White House? No, no I asked that. that. That was me. Oh, that was you. <laughs> that was me. Oh, I think it's actually, it's, it's been 30 years now. Yeah. It's been 30 years. So yeah, I, I want to talk about why the fresh Prince of Bel-Air is still, still fresh. Is <laughs> hmm. what I did there 30 yeah, years yeah. later. But first I have to read something else from our last sponsor of today. We're home more than usual these days, but it's still hard to keep a close eye on things and more deliveries means more boxes, which left unattended, unfortunately is more opportunities for packages to go missing. Thankfully there's ring.com. I've had two separate friends who've had their mailboxes robbed in recent months during quarantine, but because ring was there, they were able to give that cloud footage directly to the police who were able to track down the people who were caught stealing uh, from a bunch of other people in their neighborhood. Ring is on a mission to make neighborhoods safer. Their home security products are designed to give you peace of mind around the clock from video doorbells and security cameras to smart security lighting and alarm systems. Ring has everything you need to make sure your family and belongings are safe and secure anytime, anywhere. With the all new Ring Video Doorbell 3, you can keep an even closer eye on things than ever before with video protection at every corner. Video doorbells let you answer the door and keep an eye on your doorstep at all times. You can chat with delivery professionals, keep an eye on things from your mobile device anytime, anywhere, from your phone. 
Smart security lighting will light up those blind spots at night to ensure you get from your car to your front door safely. It's really cool. Uh, it uses this uh, AI and algorithm where it's like, okay, you're home, so we're going to turn the lights on. And then as soon as you're in the door, we'll turn it off or we'll turn it on. It's a little bit different than like a motion sensor because it kind of follows you and it recognizes you and your car as opposed to someone else's car it's, it's pretty cool so definitely check it out you can get a special offer on the ring welcome kit when you go to ring.com eao that's ring.com eao this kit includes the ring video doorbell 3 and the ring smart chime uh, i know we rely on it on my home uh, my new apartment we don't need to as much because it's in a big complex but back at home i definitely relied on it and you should too so that's ring.com eao so 30 years ago, I was looking at it right here. 30 years ago, as of, is today Thursday? Yes. 30 it's years. Okay, 30 years ago, as of tomorrow, exactly 30 years ago, the first episode, no, yeah, it is Wednesday. The first episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air aired on television. Um, You know, it starred Will Smith, obviously. If you guys don't know, uh, you might want to tune out at this point. I mean, no, keep listening. Keep listening. D listen to the end. Even if you've never seen The Fresh Prince, just look. Okay. If you haven't seen The Fresh Prince, um, definitely go watch it. And if you're thinking that it's not for you, well, I'm going, Colby and I are going to tell you in the next few minutes uh, why you should watch it and why it's mm -hmm. a extremely powerfully moving show, but also a fantastic sitcom. Anyways, Will Smith obviously everyone knows he started as a rapper and this was his entry into into the entertainment business and the reason why he's a huge movie star television star today will smith street smart teen philadelphia he moves in with his aunt and uncle in la uh, specifically bel-air which is obviously a very wealthy and predominantly white neighborhood um fresh prince of bel-air became a huge huge cultural phenomenon in the 1990s my parents you know my parents are definitely a lot younger than most parents that have a 19 20 year old would be but either way they still talk about it and they still quote to this day i mean there's there's a meme going on right now there's a meme going around right now of a scene from bel-air where will walks in to find out that uh they'd been robbed um right is that that's what that, yeah, that yeah 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 okay so i'm not Wait, oh, my oh my god yeah do, do, do you think that they get robbed because because hillary put the keys all over bel-air interesting interesting theory we'll have to find out when we go no. either way um actually have you seen you've seen drake and josh yeah of course or no was it drake and josh or was it iCarly? it was one of the one of the 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 dan smith shows no i think it was schneider schneider dan schneider sorry um was it iCarly where they got robbed and all their furniture was gone Oh god, I don't remember. I, I remember I is the one where uh like her room burned down. Okay, I do remember that. Um No, it was Drake and Josh. It was Drake and Josh. Uh they come in and the parents are like, oh my god, all the furniture is gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um mm -hmm. that I, I remember reading that was actually a reference to Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Anyways. Really? Yeah, so so there's a meme going on right now of, of Will Smith screaming and people are just inserting whatever into this room um, instead of just the empty furniture. Typically, it's like a monkey or a gorilla, whatever. So obviously, it's it's still a cultural 
symbol. And the show, if you actually look at the numbers now, especially that it's on HBO Max, it's grown more popular with time. Um, and it definitely holds like a firm place in the whole, you know, the, the pop culture lexicon is always shifting, but there's always certain shows and movies that are always going to be there as no matter how much it shifts. Uh, Breaking Bad, The Sopranos, Fresh Prince, Seinfeld, stuff like that. No matter how much it shifts, it's going to be there. And Fresh Prince is one of those shows. So I wanted to give a few reasons why I love The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air 30 years later. And Colby, as someone who's never seen the show until we've started watching it, we're 20 episodes since the first season. What are some of the reasons that you love the show? Um. So honestly, like part of what really draws me to the show is just it's it's the writing like mm -hmm. i I'm, I'm gonna let it be known i'm not a sitcom fan or same. at least not like a traditional sitcom fan same you know, like, i I'm i not, cannot stand friends the office parks and rec can't stand it the only sitcom i, I, was, I actually I was ever enjoyed more like, was like seinfeld and fresh Prince. community community yes community is a sitcom i guess yes um but I, but also like those more like traditional 90s sitcoms like full house like my like i used yep. i used to um like have to watch that with my family all the time when i was younger and i hated it i hated full house so much but fresh prince is a is a sitcom that i can really like actually sit through mm -hmm. and it's it's 100 because of the writing and the acting like they like every every actor there is 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 putting on a fantastic performance even the child actors who oh, you know yeah, like definitely. usually don't do very well they're still good like in this show and i mean like will smith obviously is a fantastic actor uh well yeah, he's a good actor he's great in fresh prince is what i'm trying to say yes um like the rest of the cast is fantastic especially um oh gosh who played uncle phil james avery right the late james avery yeah, he was incredible. Um, but like their performances are all amazing. And the writing on the show is just, it manages to strike a balance between being hilarious. I mean, like you and I, like we quote the show every other day, you know? True. You know, we do. Like the, the, it, it's incredibly funny, well, like witty, uh, memorable, but it's also very, very moving at times. I mean, like, there's there's this one very, very famous scene from the show where Will tells off, uh, you know, his father for leaving, like, for leaving him again. Mm -hmm. And he, he just gives this incredibly, just amazingly delivered rant about him. And he, he, he goes and turns back to Uncle Phil, who just hugs him. He doesn't say anything. They just hug. And that's how the episode ends. And... I mean, like, you can even hear the cast members crying. Oh, yeah. In the back, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. It's... I, I, it, it, it has Avery, no right... James Avery actually had a line there, but he just couldn't say it. Because yeah. Will Smith's performance, not only was it just so powerful and moving, but, you know, Will Smith was also abandoned by his father, and it just obviously hit home for him. And it just... It was just a crazy moment in television. But, like, it, it's stuff like that. And like every so often, you know, like an episode will end with like a very, very heartfelt speech. And, 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 and it's not like one of those like savvy speeches, you know, like you often find at the end of 90s sitcoms. These are actual like, 
powerful, powerful messages right. that you can tell aren't just being broadcast, you know, just to give the audience something to learn, but the writers actually do care about the issues they are talking about. Absolutely. Um, and I kind of, I definitely wanted to get into that more about, uh, like I wanted to talk about what Fresh Prince has taught people. Um, it's taught a lot of people about, you know, things like race, sex, family, all sorts of things. Um, you know, the Fresh Prince, right, was very evidently, obviously, it's a black show. Um, it is the first time you see, you know, uh, one, one of the very first times that you see uh, Will Smith on screen in, in, you know, his new Bel Air clothes. Uh, he's dancing in front of a Malcolm X poster. And he only starts paying attention to uh, Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv after he finds out that they attended uh, the civil rights protest at Selma in 1965. That's when he starts listening to them and takes off his headphones and starts actually talking to them. Uh, and that was from the pilot of a situational comedy. Um, the Fresh Prince was, was it, it was a guide on everything from racial profiling and police brutality to interracial dating and racially biased hiring policies for, for so many young black people. Um, it, it was, and you know, you can read all these different testimonies and I love reading these people talk about their experiences watching it. If you go on, you know, Reddit, there's all sorts of threads on the r slash fresh prints. It, it would be their first time they've ever seen these types of problems depicted on screen. And cause like for many viewers, the fresh prints might've been the first time you saw a black family on television for many kids. Uh, no matter what race it is, what race you are, uh, it, it, it was the first time you saw a predominantly black family on television. And, you know, I, I, it, 30 years since it's premiered uh, and about 20 years now since since it's ended, there's still few shows uh, that can match it for for talking on racial issues in such an accessible and open way. Um, you know, like things like you're not going to have most teenagers and preteens aren't going to watch Watchmen or Lovecraft Country. Like, yeah, that's there's definitely powerful nuances on race there, but not in the accessible way that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air has. Um, and it goes into things like beyond just race. Like I said, like like things about sex and dating Um they're throughout the entire series. I don't want to spoil too much. One, because if you haven't watched the show, definitely go watch it. And two, because Colby and I haven't finished it yet. I mean, I've, I've seen the series, but Colby hasn't finished it yet. Um, throughout the entire series, right? Pretty much every single member of, of this Banks family wrestles with, you know, either sex or relationship problems in some shape or form. I mean, from the get go, Carlton and Will, always trying to hook up with you know whoever the hot actress that is that week um and and you kind of feel that it, it get, you, you kind of think it's going to get repetitive like oh they're just going to fight over a girl every other episode but it it gets it gets it gets deeper than that and it becomes more apparent about the struggles that you can have growing up with that sort of thing you know even uncle phil and aunt viv's sex life uh, gets kind of put under this cinematic microscope um it was either season two or three 
where where Uncle Phil gave one of the most romantic speeches a husband can ever give to their wife and probably the most romantic speech I've ever seen on television or film ever. Um, and then there was the episode, you know, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's the episode where Carlton, you know, cries and breaks down and confides in Will that he he's he's a virgin. Um, and then later on, Carlton would, uh, you know, loses his virginity to a, a married woman uh, in one of the, you know, the, the big, like, gasp kind of moments um and then there's all you know all the women in the in the in the households you know they spend so many episodes you know fighting off these caveman notions of sexuality and and you know like with hillary and jazz um <laughs> by the end of season four hillary poses for playboy uh ashley has has the talk with it was a pretty great episode ashley has the talk with both will and uncle phil um two very different talks obviously um, there's all sorts of different things. And, and even going further into this, like Colby was talking about further than sex is, you know, about different forms of parenting. Um, the, like Colby said, the most memorable episode of the Fresh Prince for pretty much anyone is it, it has to be that episode in season four where Will's father comes back. And it was absolutely heartbreaking to see everyone but Will know that his dad who comes back is he's going to leave again. Everybody, you could see it. Everybody on screen knew that he would eventually disappoint and that will was just in denial and he was just going to refuse it until the moment where his dad actually walks out the door. Um, and by the time will does actually see that that's what's happening, he's, you know, that's the whole, how come he don't want me speech. Um, will cried, uncle Phil cried. I cried so many, so many tears. Um, and like Colby said, you could, you could hear members of the studio audience and the cast crying during the final credits. Um, but where Lou shows us what, you know, that's Lou, Lou is his name. Lou shows us what a bad father can be. Uncle Phil showed us what a loving and open-minded kind figure can be. Um, and yeah, honestly, black father figures are a very fraught archetype and, it's something that not a lot of shows get right, but Fresh Prince definitely did. Um, and I know like an entire generation were, were absolutely destroyed when, when James Avery died in 2013. Um, but I guess I, Fresh Prince is just like, what else, what else does it go into? What else? I'm trying to think. So they talk about race, sex, family, relationships. Friendship, um, relationship, friendship. So like Will mm. and Jazz, uh, Will and Jazz's handshake, right? Obviously, that, <laughs> that's like folklore. Like everyone, everyone knows that is. Um, but the best friendships came from within the family, personally. You know, uh, Will and the Banks obviously spend probably seventy-five to eighty percent of an episode just roasting each other. Um, but there was no doubt that that central cast loved and cared for each other. Um, especially even Jeffrey, who's, I want a Jeffrey. I want a butler like Jeffrey. I love like, Jeffrey. So I don't even, I don't even need Jeffrey to do anything for me. I just need Jeffrey. Um, even he was capable of moments of great affection and sincerity to the children of the family. Um, and you gotta know when people poke fun at you, you know, we, we insult each other because we care. That's just, mm -hmm. that's just the fact. Um, 
Now, just overall, right? I know so many people. Okay. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air matters maybe now more than it ever has before. Um, we can see why why the the amount there's there's some grit to this show and that the finale was definitely a sad time because people enjoyed it but it's clear that it was more than just a sitcom um or a vehicle for family friendly easygoing you know rapper such as will smith never swore in any of his songs you know easygoing way for him to pay off his tax bills it was a funny show but it was also bottled lightning, if you kind of get what I mean. It was capable of these incredible moments of drama. But what it really was, was a guide to life for a generation of young people that gives you everything you needed to know about life. And that's something that, you know, Family Matters and and Full House never, I watched that show growing up. It never gave me that kind of feeling. Uh, and unfortunately, I didn't grow up watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Um, but if I had, I feel like, things would be a lot different. I watched it as a teenager, but I can see that it really was this guide to life for these young people. Um, everything you need to know about life, love, uh, moments of happiness and sorrow, uh, gains and losses, um, and obviously it has a super catchy theme song, um, but it's just, it's such an incredible piece of history for what it is. And I know there's a ton of people out there that don't like it, but I feel like that's because they don't give it a chance to really show them the nuances of what the Fresh Prince is. Um, and besides just that social aspect, if you really, if you really want to know why you should watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air, uh, catchy theme song, uh, those enduring social themes, uh, Carlton and Jeffrey. <laughs> uh the fact that the family is actually like a real family and it doesn't feel forced and it doesn't feel like tv uh innovative comedy uh with exp experimentation i love the fourth wall breaks you know effective like unusual storylines fantastic uh mm -hmm. 90s nostalgia you don't even have to grow up in the 90s to know that there's some 90s nostalgia there i mean like i, I was i was born 2000 but growing up it still had some of those things because obviously decades kind of bleed into each other and then mm -hmm. i mean really the main reason you should watch is will smith yeah it's, there there is a heart it, it's hard to imagine a time when will smith wasn't this huge box office star um but like when he started he was just a popular but very 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 poor rapper with no acting experience he owed a lot of money to the irs but no pun intended it was like a breath of fresh air when it came to rapping and sitcoms so i'm not going to rant too much more point is if you haven't watched it watch the show but i think colby and i can both agree that it's something so powerful and so moving about that show that mm -hmm. it's just always going to stick with you in some way is there anything else you wanted to say about it colby um, so I don't know if you saw, but they are actually doing a reunion special. Uh, I did see that. Yeah. And so I think it's going to be very interesting to see, um, you know, like how, how, how are they going to do this? You know, and like, will this reunion be able to hold up to the legacy that, you know, like the original series has? Right. You know, 
I mean, like, obviously, it's not going to be the same without James Avery. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do think that, you know, like, bring, like having this sort of reunion, you know, this, this, this is going to be great for introducing, like, a new audience of people, like, to this incredible show. Right. You know, I, I, I think that all around, like, this, I'm excited for it. Like, I think yeah. it's going to be great. I'm, I'm definitely like not, not, not even like for the quality yeah. of it, but I think that just for what it represents. Oh, absolutely. And hopefully, you know, now that it's on HBO Max, the entire series, more people can go and watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, same thing happened with Avatar, right? Like, yeah, like, that's very it's a true. beloved series that had its run. Uh, and, you know, fans were nostalgic about it. And then it came out on this huge streaming service. And now, like, there's a whole new generation of people talking about Avatar. Absolutely. You know, like, they're. Like, I mean, there's a live action series coming out now. Right. You know, like, it's not directly because of this, but, you know, that that definitely is what gave Netflix, like, much more faith in their uh, product. And if, I, I mean, like, of course, there's controversy with that, but I think that's a story for another time. Thanks for joining us tonight on Everything at Once. Make sure to visit me over on Instagram for more information on upcoming events and episodes and where we're going next. Uh, While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate you letting us know either in my Instagram DMs or by leaving us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you send me a DM, you can send me your ideas. Let us know what you enjoyed. I got a whole bunch of ideas for the EAO Versus show uh, that we're excited to get into now that we're settled into our new place and we have a more strict schedule. Just remember, stay safe, stay alive, and live your best life. Good night, everybody. Good night. And uh, if if I might say one more thing uh, before we go. Yeah. Want to watch Fresh Prince? Oh, hell yeah. All right, let's go.